to the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Please enjoy this message and visit our website if you should find yourself in our neighborhood at angelofjoy.org. Have any of you ever been to Minneapolis? Wow, some of you have been. And there are a lot of Lutherans up there. And not just Lutherans, they've got some pretty extensive Lutheran high-rise retirement homes. They've got lots of Lutheran churches. They've got, and because of that, they've got lots of Lutheran pastors. Can you imagine anything? That sounds like a bad dream, waking up and being surrounded by Lutheran preachers. They also have Lutheran hospitals, and one of them, one of them was right across the street from where I graduated from college. I went to Augsburg Lutheran College in Minneapolis, and right across Riverside Drive is Fairview Lutheran Hospital. And it's one of those neat um, ecumenical edifices because right next door to them is St. Mary's Catholic Hospital. And they've got skyways and hallways that connect them because what one hospital doesn't have in equipment, the other one does. And so they, they're a marvelous interactive relationship between these two bodies. Sometimes I think that our churches should have more interaction with each other as well. But the thing about Fairview Lutheran Hospital is that it is one of the premier scoliosis treatment centers in the entire world. Now, when I was finishing my degree there I, at, at Augsburg College, I was also working uh, part-time at the hospital across the street to get a little extra income that we needed to pay our bills. And, and I remember that they had scoliosis patients. Oh, scoliosis, by the way, is a condition where a person's spine curves and twists from side to side rather than being straight up and down, and you'll see people hunched over. You'll see them um, in a lot of pain sometimes, and they're not really sure why scoliosis happens, but they do have ways of treating it. And as I said, Fairview Lutheran Hospital is one of the premier institutions in the world, and we had patients that came from as far away as Saudi Arabia or Asia, all over Europe. They would come to America to this Lutheran hospital to be cured or treated for this this condition. And I'm sure you're wondering why. That's a really nice, Pastor, but why are you telling us this? Well, the story that we heard just a few moments ago uh, entailed a woman who was essentially pretty crooked. She was bent over. She'd had this condition for 18 years. Nothing had had helped her. Nobody had been able to improve her condition. And we hear about this from time to time in the Scripture. If you read the, the New Testament, you'll see that people came to Jesus sometimes as a last resort, and and there he was busy preaching. And this woman showed up all hunched over, we just heard the story. 
You see, in her day, they didn't have clinics and hospitals and health care. They, they couldn't go halfway around the world to be treated for their ailments. Finally, she was left to, to pleading her case before one of these traveling healers, just sort of like Jesus was. And for a lot of those people, they weren't all that interested in what he had to say, but they really were interested in having him cure them like he had done so many others. Now, I personally have seldom had anyone interrupt my preaching to have me heal them. just doesn't happen very often to me. I don't know about all the other Lutheran pastors out there. My guess is that for the most part, they don't have to deal with that either. In fact, very seldom do I have someone say, Pastor, I disagree with that. Or, Pastor, um, could you repeat that? You know, you just are so polite and so quiet and hanging on every word that I I speak from the pulpit. And I think it has more to do with the pulpit than the speaker. It's just such a wonderful place of authority. And those of you that didn't know, we are grateful to Dot for that too because she, in honor of her dear husband, Homer, donated this pulpit. And because of this pulpit, nobody ever interrupts me when I'm preaching or asks for a healing. My guess is it could happen in the near future now that I've said that. But that wouldn't be that woman because that was a long time ago and because she got healed. She got straightened right up. She interrupted Jesus in his preaching. Well, actually, I don't think she really interrupted. He spotted her. He couldn't keep his train of thought as long as that poor, crooked woman was standing there needing his help desperately. And I need to say that as wonderful as a, a preacher as Jesus was, he wasn't a Lutheran preacher. He was the Son of God, after all. And it's kind of nice for me to, to know that even Jesus could lose his train of thought by looking at his audience. But that's what happened. He lost his train of thought because he saw her. What's her problem? He might ask. She can't stand up straight. Is this really a physical problem, or is it perhaps an indication of something deeper? That's a good jumping-off point for a preacher on a Sunday morning like this. Jesus really kind of suggests the latter. It's not just a physical problem like scoliosis. Luke's diagnosis, as we heard his words, the words of his account today, was that it was a spiritual problem, a crippling spirit. In other words, a spirit of weakness had taken over her body. I remember a long time ago when I was in school and considering the possibility of going into the field of medicine for a career, I was fascinated by the idea of psychosomatic illnesses, something where someone has a true physical ailment, but it, it's not really caused by their body. It had to do with something up here, a, a hurdle of sorts in their mind that caused them to have a physical ailment. In other words, 
Sometimes it's not just the body or an illness like scoliosis that causes this bent over business. And I wondered as I thought about that, in light of some of the situations that take place in our world today, could the root of this woman's problem be something like shame or limitation? You see, a woman in that society didn't carry the same respect that a man did. Not, not even close. And in Middle Eastern society today, much of that's the same way. In Afghanistan, one of the big problems with the Taliban is that they say girls should not go to school. They should not be educated. They should be taught at home how to take care of their man. That's their whole purpose in life. And so when the overthrow took place, the United States sent a lot of military people and the Taliban were rooted out from the main centers of occupation in Afghanistan. All children got to go to school, girls included. And we heard some of the horrible things that some of these religious fanatics did to them, throwing acid in their face, for example, or even killing them to prevent them from becoming educated. You know, that sort of thing, that that weighing down of the woman's spirit takes place today. A woman in Sudan is sentenced to stoning for adultery. The irony is that the woman is condemned to death and the man is set free. Maybe with a, don't do that again, or, wow, You really got your act together, guy. Be glad you're not a woman. You know, it's it's horrible what takes place in the Middle East or in Africa. A woman in Saudi Arabia is sentenced to ten lashes. Her crime? Driving a car. Just a couple of months ago, a Norwegian woman claimed that she was raped in Dubai... And the court there decided there wasn't enough evidence to convict anyone else, so she was charged with adultery and illegal alcohol consumption and sentenced to 16 months in prison. Double standard? Wow, I wouldn't even put it that close. You can see a whole society of women crippled and bent over with what what their world has done to them. The woman in Luke's story is bent over physically and perhaps spiritually. And in those days, there were limitations for women and even in Jesus' society. But Jesus saw her, and certainly any reputable preacher in Jewish society would not allow a woman even in the room where he was preaching, much less allow her to interrupt him, but what happened was Jesus stopped dead in his tracks and he went to the woman and he touched her. He laid his hands on her. Now you have to realize a man touching a woman in first century Semitic society was a big faux pas, a big mistake, a cultural no-no. But he does this again and again. The woman at the well, whom he had never seen before in his life, 
and vice versa. He was a rule breaker. Or maybe he was a rule replacer. He got people back on track or on the right track. In this case, he reached through the woman's potential shame. Certainly, a crippled woman was of less value than a healthy woman. And he stopped what he was doing. And he touched her. And he didn't just touch her on the shoulder or the hand, perhaps. He touched her heart and her mind and said, You count. And God is not angry with you. And you're not suffering because God is ticked off at you. God loves you. And he wants to see you whole. And I will be his instrument today. And I will make you whole. Or God will make you whole through my touch. And he did just that. And it was not just for him to know and that woman to know, but for everyone that was gathered in that room to listen to him preach, but saw a much more profound message of truth in what he did and what he spoke off the cuff to the crooked woman. Well, it didn't end there, did it? As soon as he had done that and finished talking, the uh, rabbi or the leader of, of the, the gathering basically chewed Jesus out. How dare you do such a thing? You're doing work. You're doing labor on the Sabbath. It breaks the rules. You can't do that, Jesus of Nazareth. You can't break long-standing religious rules. Even if you're brought there by compassion, you can't do it on the Sabbath because God says, God says no, so you don't do it. Well, of course, Jesus turned the tables on him and said, how many of you would do pretty much break the law of of no working on the Sabbath by feeding your livestock, watering them? You do it, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. When you see someone else doing something good in God's name, you object. But when you do your own thing, whether to the glory of God or no one else but yourself, you don't find any fault in that at all. That's what was going on in that room. And basically, Jesus shut him up. And we're told in the end that other people said, wow, Jesus was really sharp and he was right on the money with that one. Good for him. Good for Jesus. And I think we should do that more often too. We should listen to his messages and instead of smiling and and in a pious way, nodding and saying, yep, I guess that's the way it is. We should say, good for Jesus. He broke the rules. Okay. He broke stupid rules and set up a new rule of life. Be kind to each other. Be good to each other. Forget the prejudice. Forget the rules, the long-standing garbage. This is a new world now. This is a world of compassion. And by the grace of God, this is a world of justice. 
And if you have justice and compassion in your own life and share it with others, that will be spread further. And before you know it, this world will have been transformed by the love of God. And the chains that were created by man-made rules to honor God, but really did not honor God, those chains have been broken. Well, there are plenty of chains out there. We are still in bondage to sin. We're still in bondage to self-righteousness. That happens in churches all the time. I know what's right. I go to the right church. We confess the right things. We have the right rules. We obey them or go somewhere else. We like to get caught up in our own self-worth. But Jesus says, don't worry about yourself. Worry about others. Affirm their worth. Even the ones that you never affirmed before. Affirm their worth because they are children of God too. And we take note and we sit up a little straighter and the curvature of the spine is ironed out. And we raise our voice and say, Good for you, Jesus. And I will follow you anywhere. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to follow Jesus wherever he calls us. Rules, well, you know what happened to Martin Luther. And some of you have been through the course and you saw how he got into trouble by obeying Jesus rather than the rules. And the world was transformed by Luther. I think even in this small corner of the world, Even today, 2013, the world can be changed by Lutherans such as you and me and by Jesus. Good for you, Jesus. And I say, good for you, Lutherans. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.